I go to Costco, I buy my Canon Rebel, and then I am sitting on a, a park bench at UW just, like, reading the user manual. Someone walks up to me and was like, hey, you're a photographer. And I'm like, well, I guess I am now because I own a camera. <laughs> That's how that works, right? Yep. <laughs> Welcome to the Photography Opinion Podcast. We discuss all things photo, video, and camera related. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm Stuart Marlantis. And this is Photo Op. Welcome to the show. Today, we are discussing your questions and giving our answers in our first Photo Op Q&A special so uh, let's get into it right away. Ben, what is our first question? Yes, we have a lot today. These are all going to be very lightning round questions. So the yep. very first one comes from Sai. Thank you so much, Sai, and everyone else who uh, wrote in questions. Um, I'm actually going to start with, if you have a question that didn't make this episode, go ahead and email us, hello at photo op. Dot show. We'll be repeating all of our info again at the end, but uh, if you want to be in a future Q&A episode... That's how you can do that. All right, so and the if first your question, question is, comes from is special enough. We'll make a whole episode out of it. <laughs> Indeed, there, we do have at least two that I know of that are going to have their own episode coming in the future. So yep. be sure to subscribe on your uh, podcast platform of choice so you know when those come out. All right, first question comes from Sai. I'd love to hear how you got into photography. Um, I'll start. So I got into photography in college. Uh, I was studying architecture and then I was studying uh, graphic design. And then in my very first uh, graphic design class, they said, if you don't own a camera, you won't pass this class. I went to Costco with my textbook budget and I said, what's the cheapest camera you have? And that's why I shoot Canon now. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, they hated all of my graphic design, but they loved all my photography. And you fast forward to graduation. I am a photographer now. That's how cool. that worked. Um, I had the luxury of my dad being a photographer for Boeing, a scientific photographer for 30-something years. Um, so I've kind of always been playing around with cameras. And I would kind of similarly, I really got into it more professionally in college. But to some degree, I've been playing with cameras for almost my entire life or at least as far back as i can remember so yeah i i didn't start until i took <laughs> that class in college but like you even worked at a uh, uw tv right yeah i worked at uw tv um i worked for yeah i worked for all sorts of different places on campus um but yeah i did do some work for uw tv and uh did some work for nbc during my time in college right at the end so that was fun but uh yeah that's kind of I got into it more seriously, I would say, midway through college. Excellent. All right, next question comes from Danielle. Uh, it's pretty gloomy here in Seattle. Oh, a fellow Seattleite. I love it. Yep. Thank you, Danielle. <laughs> um, I'd love to hear tips on shooting in low light. Uh, so that uh, there are, of course, all sorts of kind of general tips that you'll get for shooting in low light if you just google you know search or you just google how to uh, shoot in low light but um what i recommend um personally right off the bat is get a tripod um absolutely yeah because you can do the crazy thing and buy you know the latest greatest camera that has you know super high iso performance like um my a7 III granted is a couple years old now but it has really really nice high iso performance and that's great like if you have the budget and the um, you really have to, you feel like you have to upgrade your camera. Sure. Go for it. It's a nice camera. But 
if you want to use your existing gear, um, definitely get a tripod because a lot of the things that I'm going to recommend really quick will require it. So first of all is just um, drop your shutter speed. Uh, give your give your camera more time to expose so that you can have a lower ISO and a less noisy image. Um, with Seattle, we have the really awesome perk of having the Puget Sound right next door. So you can get a lot of those cool, flowy, uh, you know, long uh, shutter speed f- uh, photos of the water with the city um, that you can experiment with to to get a feel for how to shoot with a... Uh, a shutter speed like that um obviously you can crank up the iso i'd try to avoid that as much as possible unless your camera can um can get away with it the other thing uh which uh, ben i'm sure will on the iso is, front though before you yeah. say this next one um that one of the reasons why i ditched my very first uh canon rebel was mm-hmm. because uh the noise got completely unusable at about iso 800 so i needed yeah. a camera yeah. that was even though it technically went to 1600 it wasn't usable so i would say if you have a camera that has usable uh uh, looking footage, usable looking photos at ISO 6400, mm-hmm. then that is a good enough camera. Obviously, anything better than that is just a perk. But if yeah. you can shoot at 6400 with like a clean image and then like use a tripod, um, mm-hmm. use yeah. a use a larger aperture if you can. If you've got glass that allows you to have a larger aperture, just shoot with a larger aperture. Granted, your focus plane will be smaller, but razor, you'll razor thin. <laughs> yeah, but you'll just have to. Uh, change your composition to match. Um, that's the other way to go. If you if you feel like you you your camera just in general is not is not working and you need um, you actually do need a new piece of gear, maybe consider buying a lens. I mean, a nifty fifty that you know is like f one point eight is pretty darn cheap on almost any platform. So consider a cheap uh, large aperture lens um, over buying a new camera and uh, you know get a tripod (laughs) yeah uh i have two final tips to add to that um uh you know how police officers hold their weapon and a flashlight like that um Mm -hmm. so if you are shooting with your camera i actually do that same thing where i hold a flashlight in my hand and i will click the flashlight on i will get focus uh, this is when i'm shooting portraits i will get Mm -hmm. focus on my subject and i will click the flashlight off so it doesn't affect the exposure and then i will finish finish clicking it so um yeah i've got a flashlight that i'm that i'm aiming so that i I can get that autofocus because my camera won't autofocus in the dark and I can't see either. Mm-hmm. Um, the very last tip I would say is uh, if you're using flash to like do a portrait, uh, set that to rear yeah. curtain sync or second curtain sync. So it happens right at the end and it will freeze that person in place mm-hmm. during your long exposure. Exactly. Um, flash units are increasingly cheap and increasingly good. So check that out as well as an option to yeah. give you some light in low light. All right, lightning round. Next question. Uh, this one comes from Brad. What is your preferred way to transfer footage? I use Google Drive, but unfortunately, yet mm. clients can't upload footage without it counting against their drive storage. Well, where have I heard that before? Uh, we've actually run into this exact same problem <laughs> yes, because have. Stuart and I use Google Drive to transfer stuff uh, mm-hmm. in between each other. He has unlimited. I do not. Um so uh, something that I will say is if you are just doing uh, uh, JPEGs or actually, Stuart, I think you said RAWs, yeah, RAWs. as well, um, mm-hmm. Amazon 
all of us have an Amazon Prime account, you get free unlimited image storage. So just JPEGs and RAWs, anything else will count against it, and it's a rather small bucket. Um, But you get it free included with your Amazon Prime account. So I use that when I have a client that's like, hey, can I just have 400 JPEGs? Here you go. Uh, it's unlimited, so I never have to delete that folder. Yep. Anyway, you probably already have it, so take advantage of it. <laughs> absolutely. Um, if you use Dropbox Business, uh, they have a slow lane and a fast lane feature that they don't really advertise. Mm-hmm. Um, videos will usually get uh, put into that slow lane feature, um, but you can manually prioritize them, and then they will switch over to the fast lane. Um, I also use WeTransfer. It is two gigabytes for free per uh, upload, or a hundred gigabytes per upload uh, when you pay so usually if i'm just sending over like some small psds and jpegs um if it's like eight gigs worth that's four we transfers but that's free um anything over 100 gigs just mail them a drive <laughs> yeah drives are are increasingly cheap and um it's I, I, there was uh i can't remember who said this but it's something like they're uh, the uh never underestimate the bandwidth of a station wagon driving down the interstate with a a trunk full of tapes or hard drives in this case (laughs) sometimes just sending a drive is literally the best way to go and uh i mean even solid state stuff is getting pretty cheap now you can get a uh 256 gig uh you know little tiny usb stick for like 40 bucks so that's quite a lot of footage um in addition uh i will say that this is a obviously a continual problem i pay for a google drive business account so that anything i upload is unlimited and i can send stuff basically in unlimited quantities obviously as uh, receiving it yeah receiving it is difficult um one of the things i've been looking at is a tool called resilio sync um which is a they do have a free trial kind of it's like a limited feature set and then they have a paid version that's fairly inexpensive it's like uh for for like one one person's license it's like 60 bucks uh and that lets you send and receive things like you can send expiring links um you can receive you can send a link to a folder that somebody can drop stuff into um it's pretty cool the downside to resilio sync is uh it is dependent on your home internet connection so if your home internet connection is really good that might be something worth looking at um otherwise uh you probably should go with a, a external service so Brad, hopefully that answers your question. It is a hard problem and I feel like a big opportunity. Somebody should take up uh, sending footage easily to clients and receiving footage from clients. That would be very helpful. Um, but those are the things that we'd recommend you check out first. Well, there are a lot of services. They're just all expensive. <laughs> yeah, like a reasonably priced one would be great. <laughs> um, all right, next question comes from Aaron. Uh, yes. uh, Aaron, unfortunately, you're not going to have a satisfying answer to this question, but this is my answer. So your question is, what lens should I buy? Um, it's not a good question, and here's why I will say that. That's like asking someone, what car should I buy? I don't know you. I don't know your life. Um, I don't know what car you should buy. Are you the type of person who needs to pick up a bunch of stuff and you live in the country and you should have a big uh, truck with a flatbed? Or are you the person who lives in the city and just has groceries and you're better off with a smart car? Um, without knowing what you need, what camera do you shoot with? Do you shoot wildlife? Do you shoot sports? Do you shoot studio photography? Do you shoot weddings where you need a super quick buffer and a super quick autofocus? Uh, do you shoot 
like still life where you don't need that high ISO or you don't need that big aperture uh, without knowing all of those things. I don't know whether you need a flatbed truck or a smart car. So um, whenever any of you out there say, what lens should I buy? Please give more information. Um, please. Yeah, what lens please should I buy for X, Y, Z? For wildlife photography um, on a budget. For wildlife photography on a safari, the budget doesn't matter. Like, give mm-hmm. more info um, so that we can actually be helpful. So, Otherwise, my answer is uh, Google your camera brand and Holy Trinity and then buy those three lenses. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. I've seen that for video. I've seen Holy Trinity video lenses, so yeah. that way you can get the kit. Um, that is a good tip, but uh, those are also usually expensive. So. Yeah, yeah. That's many thousands to get that put together. Um, yeah, so sorry we couldn't be more useful, but more info is needed to answer that question for all of you at home. Uh, next question comes from Kathy. Uh, I went to Hawaii and all of my GoPro photos are blue. How do I fix it? So what uh, Kathy is probably referring to is um, taking pictures underwater with your GoPro. Uh, they tend to be very blue in tropical water and very green in uh, temperate water like we have here in the Pacific Northwest. So how do you fix that? Well, um, the short I'm answer... I'm imagining there's an there's a in-camera option and an in-Photoshop option. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, the short answer is there are two options. <laughs> you have uh, generally settings in the camera that'll allow you to uh, th- that will set the camera to change the white balance appropriately to your water color. Um, the other option is in uh, Photoshop or Lightroom, unless you brought a some sort of white reference <laughs> card underwater with you and held it in front of the camera. Unfortunately, you can't be super precise. Um, but basically what you're going to have to go to, uh, what you're going to have to do is go into Photoshop or Lightroom and um, play with your white balance um, setting to uh, until it looks uh, appropriate to what you remember, or what you envision the photo should look like. Um, Otherwise, there are different options. You can get filters and stuff. If you're going to go to the Hawaii in the future, you can have this like red filter that goes over the top of the camera lens um, to help balance that without having to do it in camera. Personally, I don't use those anymore. I just set it in camera or um, I bring a reference. Um, but if you're um, more of a casual shooter, that's totally fine. Uh, just screw around with it in Photoshop. At white balance is what you're going to have to look at. Excellent. Uh, Dr. Boss. I love the name. Okay. Um, I have a chance to photograph a vintage aircraft. I'm not sure the shutter speed I should use. Um, Hmm. I'll be using a 100 to 400 millimeter lens on my full frame camera. Therefore, Mm -hmm. rule of thumb, I'm assuming this means because he's hand holding, he's not allowed to bring a tripod to the show. Rule of thumb means that I have to be at 1 400th of a second. Hmm. Um, Apparently, though, if you want to blur the propellers, you need much, much slower. The planes will only be visible for a few minutes. I need to get this right the first time. Any suggestions? Appreciate it. Sure thing. Um, so it depends on the vintage aircraft you're shooting. Uh, for any jet engine aircraft, uh, you can essentially shoot at whatever shutter speed you want because for the most part, shoot they're going fast, to... Tack sharp. Yeah, yep. yeah, they're going to look the same at any speed. Um, for prop planes, though, you'll want to slow the shutter speed a bit because um, you'll want to... You want those propellers to be blurred so it looks like they're actually in motion instead of just like this freaky frozen plane in the air. Um, So for that, uh, you should probably 
unfortunately, like I realize you want to get this right the first time, um, but unfortunately you're going to have to experiment a little bit. Um, anywhere between one twenty-fifth of a second or so and one one twenty-fifth of a second should blur the props really well. Um, so probably start on the higher end of that range, which might result in a little bit less blur, but more, uh, but better focus sharpness and better sharpness. Plane. Yeah. yeah, sharpness of the plane. So I would uh, err on the higher side of that for shooting vintage aircraft. Cool. Uh, next question comes from Mac. One of the concepts that really resonated with me was doing forensic photography work, by which I mean looking at an image that you like, something that you want to achieve, and trying to figure out how that photographer did it. Okay, so not forensic mm-hmm. as in please chalk outline, but like <laughs> deconstructing yeah. an image that you've how seen. How was that image made? Uh, lots of practice. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so the more that you learn about the technical side of photography um the more that you will be able to learn and understand this um i think the easiest thing to do would be to look up photo shoots where people sh- did a behind the scenes with it mm-hmm. so that you can look at the final image quiz yourself how do you think they did it and then look at the behind the scenes and see was i right so things that you can look for are look at the direction of the light, look at the quality of the light, um, look at uh, catch lights in the eye. You can usually see shapes for all the different lighting panels. Um, look at the distortion on the face. What Was it a wide-angle lens used? Was it a zoom lens used? Um, and then just try and find those behind-the-scenes videos. Um, any big shoot like Vanity Fair, Harper's Bazaar, any of those, they usually have a quick promo video where you could look up the photo on Google and then you could try and find that behind-the-scenes shot and see, was I correct? Um, I don't think there's a really good answer because every photo is going to be different but uh lots of practice i have an answer depending on the platform uh you're on and the photographer um you might be able to just ask um like on a subreddit called i took a picture uh people will post pictures that they took and some of them are really fantastic and often you'll have people asking in the comments hey how did you shoot that how did you do this how did you do that and generally the photographer will hang around and answer questions so um oh that's awesome if you find something in a situation like that you might just ask and they might tell you exactly how they did it so that's something to um to try as well that's awesome all right uh next question comes from karen do you shoot more than one brand i'm primarily a wildlife photographer enthusiast Uh, my main camera is a nikon d750 Mm -hmm. i've thought about mirrorless cameras after much reading i see more cons than pros on nikon Uh, i was thinking mirrorless kit for landscape is that crazy i don't want to completely sell my nikon gear i'm happy with the gear i have that is totally valid. Um, so actually, Nikon makes a mirrorless, which you should probably check out. Just my <laughs> first response to that. Um, but yes, uh, I shoot with more than one brand. Um, obviously, my primary uh, camera right now is a, is Sony, and I'll probably stick with Sony for a while because I've bought a few lenses there. But um, I've, I shoot with I, most frequently with Panasonic and Sony um, for combination of Sony's really excellent still sensors and their good capabilities with the video and then panasonic's amazing capabilities with video um so i kind of shoot uh, a brand most closely aligned with the content i'm trying to make um for something like for mirrorless, a mirrorless kit for landscape that's totally 
valid. You yeah, landscapes uh, you're hiking. You're going out. You're hiking. Mirrorlesses are light. <laughs> you know that's a good way to go. Um, so definitely, I would encourage you to check out mirrorless uh, a mirrorless kit for landscapes and bring you know both cameras if that's what you're trying to do. If you're trying to go out and like shoot wildlife and landscapes, uh, bring a, a light mirrorless and add it to your kit and shoot landscapes with it. Yeah, so, I mean. Definitely. What I would say is, like, if you can afford to not sell off your stuff, then mm-hmm. just don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I, exactly. I shoot Canon, but I just bought uh, the Panasonic, was it, G85, because yeah. I want 4K video. So, yeah. Yep. And it's, it's not fine. always as expensive as you think. Like, the like the G85 is a an incredibly well-featured video centric mirrorless camera and, and i just picked it up for 600 bucks yeah it's like 600 dollars. so it's not I mean, always going to be sale but well still. yeah but it's not always going to be as crazy as it sounds to get an entirely separate different brand kit um yeah. for a particular use all right uh next question comes from tommy about to edit photos i took of a local small business in my off time not sure about putting on a watermark thinking it's too tacky what are your thoughts um, so I'm not sure what you mean by your off time. Are they paying you or is this a favor for a friend? Mm-hmm. Um, if they're paying you, don't put a watermark on it. That's just my thing. Yep. Um, if you're, what I could say is, um, the, my wedding photographer gave me two sets of images, one with watermarks, one without watermarks, uh, probably under the assumption of like, Hey, if you're uploading this to Facebook, please upload the watermarked one. But mm-hmm. if you want to print like a, a mug, with your face on it for your mom, like use the not watermarked one. Um, so yeah, you could do that. Um, or just if they're paying you, don't put a watermark on it. If it's free, a small unobtrusive one in the corner, I think is fine. Yeah. Um, I, I basically, (laughs) I don't have too much to say to that because I pretty much align exactly with your thoughts. Um, yeah, Yeah. don't do something too unobtrusive or too obtrusive. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, Doyle asked, after watching your recent episode on portfolio building, I created my own. Thank you, Doyle. That's awesome. Awesome. Uh, The only thing I don't have is a logo. Are there any websites out there that do logo design for a reasonable price? Uh, Yeah. So if you are on the lower end of the budget, you can use Fiverr. Um, If you're on the higher end of the budget, you can use 99designs. That one is more of a, you crowdsource a bunch of people. Um, Mm -hmm. They all submit uh, designs based on your prompt, and then you actually end up hiring and refining that design with one of those people. Um, so that's what my brother did for his business logo, and um, yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, have a friend that you can do trade with. If mm-hmm. someone's willing to do trade for graphic design for your photography, that's a good route to go too. Yep. Uh, don't underestimate the creative friends you might have, and definitely like ben said do a trade don't say hey can you just uh make a logo yeah, for me don't, for free don't ask for friend. stuff for free you would hate don't, it if they asked you for free so offer guy. something valuable to them yeah. um and and the thing is like when i'm if someone asks me for trade it's kind of like uh yeah whatever but usually when i'm asking someone else for trade I am more willing to trade more than what they are offering me because I'm the asker, not the askee. Um, so if they're only giving me, you know, $200 worth of services, I'm okay giving them $300 worth of services. I don't care. Um, yeah. I'm just happy to get that service for trade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, Nando asked, I need to start doing some video streaming from my home studio. I'm considering using a 5D Mark IV as my webcam. Uh, I have an Elgato cam link uh, that connects to the HDMI output of the camera and to my USB port. So far, so good. Point is, what particular settings would you recommend for video setup on your camera? So really quick, Nando, um, it's great that you already have an Elgato cam link. Um, that's an awesome way to go. Since you have a Canon, um, I would encourage you to check out the EOS webcam utility beta that uh, Canon just put out for this exact purpose. Um, you can cut out your cam link entirely. and If you plug... own a Canon and have the EOS utility, it's free. Yeah, so. it's free. It's free, and you can plug your camera directly into your computer and use it as a webcam. So um, first of all, awesome that you have a cam link. They're really cool. You might consider just using it natively with their free utility. Um, second of all, the normal video, uh, rules of thumb apply here. Um, so I have like, you're probably going to shoot 30 frames a second, um, for your video since you're doing, um, video streaming and, uh, your shutter speed should be double that. Uh, so otherwise, one 60th of a second, yeah, one 60th of a second shutter speed for a 30 FPS video. Um, otherwise you should, um, basically keep the rest of it how you would for any other video keep your uh, iso as low as you can get away with with a good exposure um and you should be good to go uh one thing to keep in mind with video streaming is how much moving around are you going to do if you're basically stuck in one spot like this (laughs) yeah if you're if you're gonna be stuck in one spot and you can set your focus plane you know really a really shallow focus plane with a really uh, wide aperture so that you can um, give yourself a little bit more light. Great. Um, otherwise I would encourage you to uh, close down uh, your aperture a little bit. So you've got a slightly wider focus plane so you can kind of move in and out and still be in focus. Um, so those are the things that I recommend. Also, depending on the streaming you're going to be doing, uh, don't go too crazy with your resolution. Like if you're going to be, if you're showing something off, that's really most of the frame and you're a small, uh, your face is like a small bit in the you know lower left or right of the frame. You don't really need a ton of resolution for that. You don't need to be 1080p if you're going to be this little tiny thing on the screen. So maybe drop your resolution. It'll help with your file sizes. It'll help with your, uh, it'll help your internet. If your internet speed isn't super fast, you aren't, aren't streaming this giant thing out as well. Um, so it's, it's a good way to go. Awesome. Uh, next question is from Jim. What is the difference shooting camera raw file or shooting a JPEG? Well, we did an episode on that, Jim. Uh, <laughs> uh, or using the Photoshop filter camera raw filter. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, what Jim is asking here is what is the difference between shooting raw and editing a raw file versus shooting JPEG and then running the camera raw filter on that JPEG. So um, all of the uh, numbers on a camera raw file, when you open up the camera raw file, uh, let's say your uh, your white balance was at 4,200, that slider will say 4,200 and you mm-hmm. can adjust it up or down as needed. What will happen when you open a JPEG and run that camera raw filter, your white balance will say zero. And then you will adjust it up or down based on that. So if you were drastically off to begin with, you won't have that latitude because you're mm. not starting at 4,200. You're starting at zero and you you don't have that wiggle room. The other thing is um, 
you don't have all of the the latitude and depth and color space and uh, information in your highlights and shadows because JPEG compressed it all out. So when you try and do that highlight recovery slider, it's not going to work as well as if you had a raw file. When you do that a shadow recovery slider, you're just going to get mud instead of the actual details that were in the shadows. Because if they're mm. not there in your JPEG file, they won't be there in your camera raw file. Uh, or it, when you run the camera raw filter. If you did shoot raw to begin with, you might not see the clouds in the highlights. You might not see the details in the shadows, but they are there in the file and you drag that slider to pull it out. Uh, JPEG, you can't do that. So I do use the camera raw filter um, when I very quickly am doing like some compositing and I have a stock photo, but the white balance is wrong on the stock photo. I just want to drag that slider to help it match my photo a little better. Um, I love that filter to be able to make these really quick changes without getting really finicky with like a curves adjustment layer. Um, but I would never do it to my base layer. I always shoot raw. Pretty much. That's I don't have one. anything to add to that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, Leanne asks, I'm new to portrait and family photography. I can't figure out why I'm not getting tack sharp images. Uh, she did uh, email this in and she enclosed a photo with her email. Um, I'm focusing on the eye closest uh, and using a shutter speed that is higher than my focal length. Um, I am going to answer a few of the things that most people get wrong with focus. And then I will answer her mm. specifically. So uh, what most people do is they use too slow of a shutter speed. So if you're using a 70 to 200 and you're at 200 millimeters, that means your shutter speed handheld should be one over your shutter speed or one two hundredth of a second. Uh, if you're only shooting at one sixtieth at 200 millimeters, you're probably getting some camera shake and they won't be sharp. Um, another thing that could be happening is if there is motion blur, if you're using, uh, like we had the question earlier with the, propeller props um if you're using too slow of a shutter speed and your subject moves at all then you get a motion blur um that is all of these blurs look different so by looking at the blur i can identify which kind of blur it was uh, your particular photo uh you actually had a front focusing problem so the eyes were out of focus uh but i saw that the watch the person was wearing was tack sharp so um what you need to do is you actually need to do a lens calibration um i actually have a lens calibrator that uh, i will do an episode on how to use on my youtube channel so if you're listening to this in podcast form uh go to my youtube channel is at nom creative um and i will be putting out a calibration test uh video sometime soon um but yeah you need to recalibrate your lens so that when it focuses um it is not front focusing or back focusing um so your focus was just off mm -hmm. um it could be that you set your focus points wrong or it could be that your lens needs to be calibrated mm -hmm. in very uh, very rare cases occasionally lenses are just off like mechanically they're messed up and they need to be repaired send it in get it but fixed. that's very yeah. unlikely <laughs> yes you should try yeah, everything, try else, before everything that. else first <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. okay jb asked can software fix a fuzzy image no uh not cool so next it question you can, can try <laughs> <laughs> no uh but more seriously like not really like there are a bunch of filters and plugins and photoshop is its own thing and like it tries really hard but you're never turning in a bad image into a great image you're just like you can save it and maybe post it on facebook but no yeah. not really not really uh rj asks will phone cameras replace our big heavy expensive cameras 
no. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the biggest reason for this is uh, the laws of physics, basically. Um, you can only gather so much light with a sensor that can fit in a phone and a lens that can fit in a phone. Um, that's is just the that's just how it is. limitation of the sensor size. Yeah. Exactly. It's just a limitation of the, of the sensor size and the glass uh, or, or plastic in the lens. Um, so big, heavy, expensive cameras will, I hate to say, will always be um, the ultimate way to go because technology moves in mysterious ways. Well, I mean, ways. like full frame mirrorless is already showing us that cameras can get smaller. Yeah, exactly. So the, the answer to that is almost certainly not. <laughs> Yeah, I, d- I don't think a phone will ever replace my DSLR. A mirrorless could, but... I mean, it's they've already replaced yeah. point-and-shoots, so yeah, they can replace some cameras, but for full-size DSLRs, eh, yeah. not really. No, not really. Yeah. So our next question is from Heath. Uh, does anyone ever look at their older work and think it is better than what you are currently producing? I was just going through some older images from a trip, and to me, my current stuff feels rushed. Uh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you should always be getting better over time um i will say that there are uh there's a little bit of variance to this um i see getting uh, really great images in, in two lights uh one is you get spectacularly lucky or you're you have put in a ton of work and you've really built up your skill over time and you get those um, great photos more often than not. So sometimes you might get super lucky early on and when you're not very skilled, but you're just in the right place at the right time and you just happen to get something that's really good. And you might look at that later and say, oh man, that was so good. I'd really love to get stuff like that now. And um, my answer to that is that's that's frustrating, but that's just how it is. And you might... uh, you might be surprised if you really take a step back and look at your work. You might, you might see that, wow, actually though, I am really getting more great photos more consistently over time. The work and the education and the skill that you build, uh, gives you that consistency of good work instead of just flash in the pan. Occasionally you get something really great, but most of the time it's not very good. Um, your second thing about your current, uh, work feeling rushed, uh, Again, take a step back and look at your current work. Are you are you happy with where you currently are? Um, is there something that you should be working on? Is there a style change that you might want to make? Uh, there are all sorts of different ways that could lead to your work feeling rushed. Um, so try to identify why it's feeling rushed and then work on that issue. Yeah, I actually do have a, a good story uh with that as well um Mm -hmm. the very first so we've already talked about my first camera a couple of times in this episode but uh i go to costco i buy my canon rebel and then i am sitting on a a park bench at uw just like reading the user manual someone walks up to me and was like hey you're a photographer and i'm like well, I guess I am now because I own a camera. <laughs> That's how that works, right? Yep. <laughs> um, and they invited me to a photo shoot literally the next day. At that photo shoot, I took a ton of hot garbage. Um, but I got super lucky with one image that stayed in my portfolio for like the next six years. And that one image, it made me feel uh, like incompetent or like an imposter or like I just wasn't any good because I'm like, wait a second. It's six years later, and I still can't replace that image. 
like that probably made me feel the way you are feeling now, Heath. Um, but the thing is, like, I just got lucky. In that entire shoot, none of it is showable except this one image. Versus mm-hmm. now, if I do a shoot and I'm shooting for 10 minutes and I get 10 good images, you know? Uh, versus that shoot was like four hours and I only got one. So, yep. yeah, it's definitely luck versus skill. Um, just because you got some good photos back then they might have been luck but now your skill is increasing your consistency so mm-hmm. yeah uh do all the things Stuart recommended try different styles try uh doing some stuff that you don't normally do Just, or add uh, restrictions to yourself you know yeah. maybe you're at the point where you've got all the gear and lenses and cameras you want which seems weird i don't think anybody's in that position but if you are doctors, doctors one you're you're position. very lucky and two <laughs> um maybe add some restrictions go to you know i'm only going to shoot uh, at 35 mil for uh, you know the next week or whatever, and 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 screw around and kind of refresh your love of photography again, and maybe you won't feel that rushed feeling. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Next question. Patty asked, um, starting completely from scratch. I want to vlog, and I'm seeking advice on video editing software. Um, it will be coming from smartphone, GoPro, DSLR, and drone. Ooh, they have quite the menagerie of cameras here. Yeah. <laughs> um, knowing that YouTube is the final destination, I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible for life on the road. Uh, we also live in a Windows uh, realm. <laughs> I spelled it kind of funny. They the are Windows a PC realm. people. Um, and aren't planning to switch to Apple. Premiere seems daunting, possibly overkill. Any advice on workflow and what products are easiest? Um, wow. That's a well, that's a big one. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, yeah, I, I'll boil it down to uh, what editing software. Um, I, I I will say that Premiere, like most nonlinear editors, uh, looks daunting until you learn it. Even though it has exactly. 800 features, you'll probably only use four. Um, exactly. So, so what? So just starting out, editor. Yeah. Yeah. Just starting out, you're going to be you know cutting clips, moving them around maybe doing a little audio adding blending, sound, yeah. adding, yeah, adding titles and stuff. Um, anything can do that. Uh, any, any non-linear editor could do that. Um, I personally use Premiere. I think um, Adobe, despite my frustrations with them, has the best overall package and I use a lot of their software. Um, Premiere is big and scary to some degree. It can do a lot of stuff, but for just cutting clips, it's not very difficult. Um, that is, you could learn that in You use 10 like minutes. three tools. Yeah, it's like yeah. three tools. You can learn that in 10 minutes and uh, you'll be right, well on your way. Um, but there's, I mean, like DaVinci Resolve is free. If you if you don't need uh, higher than 1080p outfit, output and you just are cutting clips, you know, maybe look at DaVinci Resolve. Their color correction is really, oh, yeah. really fantastic. Their color correction is free. better than Premiere, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely better than Premiere. So if you just need something that's free and uh, granted, it's going to seem a little daunting like Premiere. But again, anything for the most part is going to feel that way. Uh, just just realize that you're not going to use all those tools to start with. You're just going to start with cutting and moving clips around. Um, and all that is pretty much equivalently easy on all of them. Um, especially if you're not planning to switch to Apple. Uh, iMovie is kind of the the recommendation of choice for yeah. simple editing. For good reason. It's a very good, simple, non It's very editor. simple. It's very easy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, certainly uh, a good way to go if you're, you're on Apple. But if you're not on Apple... Uh, like you said, and like I personally am not on Apple, then Premiere is a very good way to go, or 
um, again, DaVinci Resolve if you if you want a free option. Um, and there's a cheaper option. If you don't want to go Premiere Pro, Premiere Elements is cheaper, and it'll almost certainly do everything that you'd want to do That's for vlog-style content. Elements strips out all of the complicated tools yeah. and <clears throat> gives you just the things you need. Yeah, so if it seems cheaper. daunting, but you want to kind of step foot in there and you're willing to spend a little money, that's yep. a good way to go. Yep. Um, yeah, I have also used uh, DaVinci Resolve, uh, the free version, of course. Mm -hmm. And one thing I will say is that their workspace looks crazy because they kind of did their own thing. But you Mm -hmm. can also set that up to look like a Premiere workspace. So if you ever do make that jump from DaVinci to Premiere, um, it's not a lot of change and it's not a shock to the system. It will look very similar. Yeah. Um, All right. Next question came from Kelsey. I'm taking pictures of countertop slabs for my job. Uh, I specifically need to take them so that it shows off different types of countertops. Um, Okay, so they are not a full-time photographer. They work at a place that does countertops, and their bosses ask them to do photos. Um, Every time I take the photo, the top of the slab and the side turn out blurry. We need the whole thing to be in focus. Um, So I'm assuming that you already know don't shoot wide open. Um, you're stopping down to, you know, F 22 or whatever, um, your lens can do. Mm -hmm. Um, if that is still not working, focus stacking. Um, we actually got another question about focus stacking that we will be reserving for a future episode, but, uh, the very short version is it is taking a photo where the front's in focus and the mids in focus and the backs in focus, or as many photos as you need to get that range and then putting them together in Photoshop. Photoshop actually has an automate blend, uh, focus stacking thing. So you don't even have to mask it yourself. Um, yeah, it's basically one click. <laughs> Almost. <yeah. laughs> so so that is probably what you need there, Kelsey. Um, the very last question comes from Dave. What is your favorite plugin? Stuart, what's your favorite plugin? Oh, uh, wow. Um, there are a lot of plugins. Any video uh, plugins that you, you like? So I've one of the ones that I've been playing with recently is uh, Neat Video, which is they make a, a noise reduction plugin. Um for Premiere and, and other non-later editors. And I've mostly been experimenting with it. I've only used it for a little bit of client stuff so far. I kind of avoided it for a long time, assuming that it wasn't going to work very well. But wow, it actually works pretty darn good. Um, maybe I'm just used to being disappointed <laughs> by plugins. But yeah, Neat yeah. Video uh, so far has worked great for uh, noise removal. And it's something that I am increasingly leaning on and I will increasingly use for client work. Um, so in the video space, neat video is really cool. Um, there's probably other options out there too. I know that, uh, like Topaz labs has some denoising and video plugins as well that I'm kind of comparing to neat video, but I haven't used them as much as neat video. So that's my first recommendation. Uh, I have two that I'll say. So my favorite free plugin is Nick software. They are now Mm -hmm. owned by Google and it is free. So go download it. Um, they have a film effects pack. They have, Mm -hmm. um, a really cool HDR plugin. Um, that's, that's cool when you need a, need an effect. Mm -hmm. Um, just a little 
extra spice on top to finish off a photo. Um, the the paid one that I use uh, most often is ImageNomics Portraiture. So that is a skin retouching and uh, softening plugin. So my uh, portrait retouching workflow is I will go clean up uh, pimples, uh, you know, acne scars, any other things that the client wants cleaned up. But if their skin texture is still too rough, um, there are a lot of ways that I used to do this manually in Photoshop and you know, 10 years ago, I'm like, plugins could never compare. Plugins are mm-hmm. bad. I It looks better when I do it. But then Portraiture uh, came on my radar. I'm like, nah, this is, this is better and faster, and I can save myself a lot of time. So you just run it, and then um, so that way it doesn't fuzz out all the detail in the hair or the clothing texture. You just mask it back in on the skin. Um, so it's a very expensive plugin, but if you shoot portraits all day long for a living, oh my god, it's worth it. It's totally <laughs> worth it. So yeah, uh, my favorite free one is uh, Nick Collection, which is now owned by Google. And my favorite paid one is ImageNomics Portraiture. Whew! That was a very, very long lightning round episode. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone, to send in questions. Um, if you want to send in your own questions, email us, hello at photo-op.show. Uh, our, our website is photo op dot show um you can find all of our social medias there oh man thank you so much to everyone who sent in questions keep those coming in uh we would love to do another another q a episode like this i think this was fun oh yeah very fun we love uh helping people out and answering your questions so don't be shy send questions in and uh who knows it might get its own episode or at the very least we'd love to include it in a big q a episode like this one Absolutely. So uh, thank you guys all so much. Um, If you do love this show, uh, share it with friends. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts specifically, leave us a review. That would be awesome. Um, You can find this on your uh, YouTube or podcast platform of choice. Uh, Thank you so much. We really genuinely appreciate all of your questions and support, and we will see you next time. Yep. Thanks for watching and listening, and we'll see you next week.